Doctor Who, Series 1, Episode 3, The Unquiet Dead. It's Christmas in 1869, and a corpse is mysteriously reanimated with murderous consequences at a funeral parlour run by Mr Sneed and his clairvoyant servant, Gwyneth. The body escapes its confines and lumbers into a nearby theatre playing host to Charles Dickens. The terrified Victorians scatter, and the Doctor and Rose race to help the crowd. In the commotion, Rose calls out as she witnesses Sneed and Gwyneth recapturing their errant cadaver. To avoid discovery, the Undertakers overwhelm and kidnap Rose. The Doctor teams up with Charles Dickens and gives chase just in time to rescue Rose and question the funeral directors. After some detective work and a seance, it's revealed that raising the dead was not Sneed and Gwyneth's doing, nor ghosts, but the work of a gas-based alien race called the Gelf who have latched onto the dead bodies. The Gelf communicate through Gwyneth and, thinking them benign, the Doctor offers them safe passage to a new world. However, when they double-cross the Time Lord and his helpful humans, the funeral home is flooded with gas and Gwyneth ignites a match, blowing herself up along with the Gelf as the others escape. Commence Doctor Whoing. Commence Doctor Whoing. Well, we can start every episode with Commence Doctor Whoing. You can start every episode with that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Newman. I really like Doctor Who. My best mate JT hates it, but he's never even seen it. Maybe if he just watches it, he'd like it. Let's see. Alright, hello. Hello. We've just watched uh, episode three of season one, which was called? Um, the Unquiet Death. Dead? Yeah. Unquiet good. Dead. The Unquiet Dead, written by Mark Gatiss. Gatiss. Is that how it said? Don't know. Hmm. Uh, as his uh, name came up in the title cards, um, you let out a bit of a... Uh, Wasn't he one of the... Um like bizarre comedy really super dark comedy thing yeah. I've forgotten what it's called yeah the League of Gentlemen that's it yeah yes uh, that is the same Mark Gatiss uh, who is a lifelong Doctor Who fan I don't know if he and Russell T Davis were already friends but um, when Russell T Davis bought the show back I think Mark Gatiss was very quick through the door being like I, I need to be a part of this okay his, uh, his love of Doctor Who growing up huge and um up until the most uh, recent uh, Doctor Who, Mark Gatiss has um, maintained a level of involvement. I won't, okay. I won't say what, but yeah. So I just I always thought that must have been really nice. Like imagine like your favourite thing growing up, and then you being in the industry, and it coming back, and you being like, I get to now be a part of it. Okay. Like, that must be. Yeah, it seems pretty good. Yeah, I don't know what the equivalent for me would be. I don't know. And what do you like? Lost? <laughs> I do like Lost. There you go. No, well, I don't know. You know what? Actually, I remember thinking something like the new Star Wars films. Oh, okay, yeah. Filmed in the UK, Leafs and Studios, I think. Um, and actually, I, I know someone vaguely who is a uh, an extra. I think they go by supporting cast member now or something. Okay. Um, and when like the casting calls and stuff went out, he literally sent me the details. He's like, dude, come. Uh, I was doing a like a nine to five job at the time, and I couldn't just throw it all in to stand around in the background of the new Star Wars. But yeah, anyway, so that's me going off kilter. I basically, I'm sure it was lovely for Mark Gatiss to be involved. Um, what did you think of the Unquiet Dead? Yeah, it was alright. Okay. Okay. Do you, want, do you want me to like? I guess the what I liked about it was that it was the mo- it was the least Doctor Who episode that I've seen out of the three okay 
That was just stunned silence. That's <laughs> that's insane. I genuinely thought I was going to hear dog shit again. No. That's well. That's great. That's great. So that means you didn't just suffer through forty minutes. That you you had an all right time. It was all right. Yeah. So three episodes in. Yeah. Gives you a little thing of actually this could be all right. Mm, uh, no, I'm not putting words in your mouth. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you didn't think it was dog shit. But there was two episodes in a row where you were just like, "This is dog shit." So for going from dog shit to that was all right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it. I have I, I've seen that episode more than the others, but still not in a way that I can remember everything about it. Okay. Uh, um, at Christmas. I put on some Christmas Doctor Who episodes. I remembered that Christopher Eccleston's Unquiet Dead episode is a Christmas episode, so I put it on. Um, okay. Yeah, and I just I think it's really good. I, I I really like how Victorian it looks. I think the production value on this episode was was really high. The the sets, the costumes, and the exterior sets, like mm-hmm. dressing it all in uh, the snow set in December with the gas lamps and such. I thought it was a really nice looking episode. I know it's quite uh, easy to um, point and snigger at the VFX in some of these episodes, but I think... Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think the... Um, the uh, this was the least offensive. Yeah, right? I thought the gas effect on the um, Gelf, I thought, I find it quite mesmerising. Oh, no, I don't think it's bad. I still think it's bad. Oh. Least offensive still means it's offensive. Sure. I mean, like, bad, what do you mean by bad? As in, like, obviously it's a product of its time and budget. Yeah. But the kind of the blue outlines of, like, the people, the kind of flickering effect felt gaseous. And, yeah, like a flame, like a blue flame. Just liked it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. What do you think of the tone of the episode? Yeah, so I think this goes on... <sighs> Like, I think the episode was all right. Like, I watched it, it was fine. Like, and in some parts, it was, some of the parts were good. But my issue is that the parts that I enjoyed mm. and the reason why I think the episode is all right and like, and a positive all right is because it was the, to, to kind of, to reiterate what I said, it's the least Doctor Who episode that I've seen and all the things about it that I really liked were the things where they it was the most removed from what I know is quote unquote Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So can I point out um, something incongruous there? Um, when you say it's the least Doctor Who episode that you've seen, you've only seen one other Doctor Who episode and snatches of other things. So I'd almost say that you're ill-equipped to say what is Doctor Who and what isn't. Yeah. Because this. No, that's true. Yeah, because this actually is quintessential Doctor Who. Okay. So I said it's the least Doctor Who episode that I have seen. Mm. But this is great. This is... I don't like, because I've only seen the other two. That's why exactly what I meant. Yeah, yeah, but doesn't this... Well, not fool you full of excitement, but kind of convince you that what you think the show might be isn't correct. Possibly. But the things I disliked about this episode were all the things that had a direct relation to the Doctor and his companion. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Um... I last week I played a bit coy about whether or not there could be a romantic element between uh, the Doctor and Rose. Uh, well, when you say coy, you flat out denied that it existed. I didn't deny that it existed. You I said just... that it was. You saw it as like a grandpa and his friend, and that you never saw him as being a creepy man and pitched between the two of them. Yes, that's how I thought it was when I yeah. started watching the show. Mm-hmm. I can now admit that there is a romantic element between the Doctor and Rose. Okay. Um, what I was trying to get across last week was, upon my first watching of the show, 
I didn't pick up on that until this episode. Because okay. I think the Doctor and Rose moments in the last two episodes can be read very platonically. And it's only in this one where they start holding hands and the line, um, it's not a bad life, is it? And Rose saying, it's better with two. It was at this point when I was watching the first time, I was like, gross, they're not going to make them kiss, are they? Oh no, why are they doing that? So what I was trying to downplay last week is um, the fact that you called that quite quickly. But I remember asking you, it was just like, what makes you think that? You're like, well, they're the leads. Yeah, but also, they are the leads, but then they're, they're also, they're engaging in acts where it's, you. to me, it was obvious that they were going to pair them together. And this, the the beginning of this episode just confirms it. Yeah, I like, think... like it just like, oh, you look beautiful. Pause. Mm. Oh, thanks. Pause. Yeah. Like then, cl- cue looks from each person and lovey yeah. smiles. Yeah, it's like what? I know. Uh, and so maybe I was in a bit of denial before this episode when I watched it for the first time. As you can probably tell, it is my least favourite thing. Okay, what about a 19-year-old girl and a creepy old grandpa getting together? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so much. I don't care if Christopher Eccleston doesn't look like William Hartnell, the original Doctor, the old man with the monocle. Okay. He is that person. He is a 900-year-old... Uh, I hate it so much. So yeah, so it becomes a bit more creepy when he's staring at him, pumping his piston arm like last week. That was not. That was not. That's not. A, that I. That is. I still. Maintain, I want it to be a thing. No, I maintain that is someone with a toy they're really excited about showing. Yeah, Rose. To their friends. You're disgusting. Yeah. Um, I like uh, two episodes in a row. How the flying the TARDIS isn't an exact science, or even comfortable. The Doctor and Rose are kind of buffeted around and in this episode it cuts them literally being just flat on the floor with the shock of them landing the doctor's like oh wrong year and place they wanted to go to naples but they ended up in cardiff and it was the the wrong year as well yeah uh, i like them solidifying that because um there are a few stories and a few situations where you're just like you've got a time machine just time machine fix this but flying the TARDIS is not an exact science and the Doctor doesn't always end up uh, where he wants to be. And I, I don't know, I, that's something that has been part of the show forever. Uh, I didn't know that when watching it the first time around, but I remember thinking, oh, this is good. This is them getting out of that, why don't you just time travel around this problem? Okay. Mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's... that's uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I like that. Um, Charles Dickens. Yep. What do you think of Charles Dickens? Um, I, whoever, the, I don't know who the actor is. He's a very, I think, as a, if you live in the UK mm-hmm. and you watch TV, that you would recognise him. Mm-hmm. I don't know his name. I probably should know his name, the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy who played Charles Dickens was, like, he was really good. And that was one of the good things about the episode. Him and whichever actress played, who so, played um, the maid... Uh, unfortunately, like I wish I was my friend Tom right now because he'd be able to tell you exactly who played Charles Dickens. I'm not that guy, unfortunately. Hello, it's present day Newman. As you just heard, at the time of recording, to my shame, I couldn't recall the name of the actor who plays Charles Dickens. His name is Simon Callow, and he's appeared in a huge variety of films and television. And according to friend of the show Tom Newsom, Simon Callow is a bit of a Dickens nut, having written about him and played him on stage and screen. Anyway, back to the show. 
But the woman who played um, Gwyneth, her name is Eve Miles, and yeah, she's she's great. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, I and uh, I think the it was quite jarring to me mm. having to watch uh, Charles Dickens' character act opposite the Doctor and Gwyneth act opposite Billy Piper. No offense to those two. It was because they their acting was so good. It made the Doctor and Rose's interactions seem quite childish in uh, contrast. Oh, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Then the bit where, like, it was Billy Piper and that actress in the pantry cupboard thing, I was like, this is almost embarrassing. Uh, what, uh, Billy Piper's level of acting versus uh, Eve Miles? Yeah but, yeah, but not to be so harsh. More just, like, they give the maid character so much to do and she's yeah. really good with it and then it was the first time where i kind of just thought wow they've really like rose's character is written like so super badly not super badly but like they give her nothing yeah she's just like oh do you like boys yeah i'm just yeah. like what she is a bit she is a bit vapid yeah yeah and it just comes across really badly and mm. it just makes it painful to watch yeah uh, yeah, I, I like that scene. I'm, I'm glad that you kind of like it as well. Again, putting words in your mouth. But what I, I like the juxtaposition of like this um, vapid council estate girl who we haven't seen much depth from yet. Okay. Doesn't mean it's not coming. I can't okay. say. Well, they they need to hurry up and give us some yeah, because, because it's bad. Contrasting her with a character like Gwyneth, who with her limited screen time, you get a real sense. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I completely agree. And that juxtaposition is a little bit uncomfortable. I do like that scene. The episode kind of slows down for a moment and lets two characters kind of breathe rather than just kind of constantly sprinting away from, like, um, you know, zombie horror. Yeah, but that's what I like about it. Mm. Like, that's the reason why I enjoyed the episode is because there are these, for at least in terms of a Doctor Who episode, mm. there are these prolonged, mm. quote-unquote, sections where there are two people mm. who come across to you as the audience as within a fixed and set world that isn't absolute fucking off the wall nonsense mm. having a conversation that suits their characters within those frames within that com like contrast mm. and then and it just having conversation just like words and not just like loads of fucking noise yeah. and stuff bouncing off the walls and loads yes. of other bullshit yes most definitely yeah and yeah and that's got and to me yeah. that is as far removed from all the Doctor Who bullshit as I've, yeah. that I've seen Okay, so yes, this is exactly the experience I had, remember? Before, when I'd seen snippets, I'd just seen, like, people running away from a big CG wasp and, like, just nonsense. And then yeah, I was and it just gets to basically just, like, normal melodrama TV. Yeah. Yeah. So then Which... when I started watching it and I got to, like, it wasn't this episode particularly, but other instances of exactly what you've just said, I was just like, oh, okay. This show isn't just what I thought it was. There is more to it. And, it, and I'm glad. Okay, I can sort of get that then. But then going forward, I would just be, can you just make more of that and have less Doctor Who stuff in it? In which case, why would you even watch Doctor Who? Why can't you just watch something else that doesn't have the edit? Because at the moment, I'm just like, oh, this bit's really good. And then they bring in some, what I would refer to as like top level Doctor Who stuff. Mm -hmm. and I've instantly, instantly lost interest. Yes. Uh, well, um, maybe they are casting a wide net um, because you are watching Doctor Who and maybe some people um, come to Doctor Who for that running down the corridor um, action music stuff. Okay. You know, so um, I think, I wonder if they were just trying to walk a bit of a tightrope and I wonder if maybe a script was written once and it was just actiony nonsense and then Russell T. Davis 
who is the showrunner, would get all the scripts from the individual writers and um, mould it into something a bit more of a cohesive whole. You're never going to have an episode that is just Rose and Gwyneth talking in the cupboard because uh, it's Doctor Who. Yeah, and that to me, that is always going to be the thing that basically never sells Doctor Who for me. Because, like, to me, the episode... The episode that we just watched, yeah. I'm sure this isn't the case because you previously you just you explained how like uh, Gatis Gatis had written this, mm-hmm. um, and he's a huge Doctor Who fan. So I presume it would have been written specifically in the way that it has been for Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but it feels to me like a really great story, yeah. sort of uh, a really good supernatural like Victorian set story about the dead coming back to life which you could have written for a completely different TV show Mm -hmm. and scrubbed out all the like alien bullshit and it could have been really quite eerie and amazing and it seems to me it feels like they it was a script that had the idea Mm -hmm. and then they just kind of co-opted it for Doctor Who and then just added all the Doctor Who shimmer on the top and then was like well here's the episode Mm -hmm. and that's to me is it's like Whilst one way you look at it and you're just like, well, this is like a really cool episode of Doctor Who because it had this, whereas yeah. me, the part of my brain is just like, well, it was a really amazing something, a really cool episode of something where they added some Doctor Who bullshit and made it worse. You see, I I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't agree. Mainly because um, you can watch ghost programs. You Like, I've seen enough where it is ghosts. So I like that it's Doctor Who which is about time and space travel so when we're presented with a ghost story instead of it just being another ghost story we find out that it's not it's aliens so without the doctor coming in and kind of showing what this is the layperson the characters there would just think it's ghosts and phantasmagoria yeah whilst your reaction to it is like a great story that has unfortunately had a Doctor Who layer of paint added over <laughs> yeah that's exactly right yeah I, I don't... <laughs> that's so well put yeah but unfortunately that's, but yeah that's not that's not <laughs> what that is i don't think so at all i think it's a, a great doctor who story okay which is what differentiates it from any other ghost story okay uh, and i like the um i like them trying to kind of ground it in a sense of um not reality but like here are these gas-based aliens and the way they break through is corpses because when corpses deteriorate they produce gas and it's just like a little kind of if you want to abc the logic of it it's quite nice they do let themselves down on that front though um at the end of the episode one of the um animated corpse kills gwyneth's boss and Gwyneth's boss immediately gets possessed by a gas monster. Gwyneth's, Gwyneth's boss died a split second ago. That corpse is not putting out any gas. Um, so at this point, I'd already consigned myself to the fact that this we'd ramped it up to 11 on the Doctor Who meter and mm. I kind of was beginning to phase out. Because that point was just like, I can see where all of this is going. And as soon as he started filling, as soon as he was running around turning the gas lamps on and turning, and filling the room with gas, mm. I was like, wait for the fucking explosion that happens at the end. Mm. Yeah. Can you, th- oh, can you think of a better ending? Uh, in in this moment, no. Yeah. I, I sure, couldn't. Sure, sure. So it's, However, not, it's, not like, it's not like you're watching it and being like, well, why don't they just do this? No, yeah. but it just, I don't know, it just devolved for me. And like, 
is another example. I think we've had three examples now in three episodes where each time someone sort of almost feels forced. Like here is this character who for the most part has been largely not inoffensive, but like there's been no threat from this character. And on contrary, they've been quite nice people and then they die at the end for no reason and it feels really forced. So in the first one, it was the guy who got shot with the mannequin guns that are completely inexplicable. In the second one, it was Tree Lady where there was no fucking reason for her to burn up and die. And in this one, it was just like the maid who I guess, like I get that she maybe had to be sacrificed, but it's just like, as soon as it became immediately evident that she was going to die, I was just like, oh, there's another one. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, we need to kill this person because it makes the, it gives it an emotional gravita and we don't like Mm -hmm. she could have easily got out of that and it not been rubbish and then also the fact that she died and throughout the whole episode rose is just just like protecting her protecting her protecting her no her best interests like no none of you are listening to her blah 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 and then she dies oh that's so bad i can't believe we couldn't save her and then two seconds later she's just like oh let's go on another time journey that's not blah 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 that's not how that happened at all well that's how it seemed to me no as in instantly forgotten well by instantly I think you've raised this pilot once before. You've got 40 minutes. I know. Like, are you expecting, like, a 20-minute a wind-down? No, not, no, there? no. But then it shouldn't be it's so fucking jovial at no, the end. It's just I like, oh, where do you want to go? No, oh, let's go as here. As criticism, that is, well, that's well out of order. Okay, no, that's fine. That's, we can agree to right. disagree. Yeah. Um, if you are looking for um, them to, like, pull out their hair and, like, fall to their knees as a result of anything that happens in the episodes uh, at this point... You're, you're not going to get it. No, that's true. You're and not I'm gonna not going to get it. And like uh, the storytelling, like trying to set up, you start with an equilibrium. That equilibrium is uh, disrupted at the end of the episode, trying to get back to that equilibrium. It's just standard serialized storytelling. Yeah, that's true. Like uh, it, it hits you wrong. I'm sorry about that. But it, I've, for me, that feels like I don't know. Being too picky. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, fine. Right. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, so the Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, all Doctors, I think, have a catchphrase. It has turned up, I think, in each episode so far. But I like that it isn't like shouted as he points and winks. So at this point, have you figured out what his catchphrase is? Hello. No. Okay, this is good. So when you figure it out, I want weekly, I want you to be like, here's his catchphrases. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, because as soon as you tell me, I probably won't be able to stop hearing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah, yes. And that's how it is for me. I'm just like, oh, there it is. Because I know it's the catchphrase. Just like the TARDIS squeaking door. Which I still don't remember. I didn't clock that in this episode. I wondered if you would, actually. No. Because it turns up a couple of times. And I was just like, now now that I pointed it out last week, I wonder if that's hitting Joe's ear now. Definitely not. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, uh, There is something that makes me laugh in film and TV. Uh, I'm not saying it needs to be different. But um, chloroform doesn't work that quickly. Okay. <laughs> it's like one of those things that in so so many uh, like film and TV. Wait, content, how like how can we criti- How can you criticize the chloroform bit? As because surely the fact that it needs to work quickly yeah. is part of the fact that it's an episode that needs to get to a certain point. Is that not just then giving this like? Can we not criticize the chloroform thing? But we can't criticise the fact that Rose is happy at the end of the episode uh, after being sad. The uh, uh, difference is I'm, I'm, I'm grinning. Like I said, I'm not, oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not saying it needs to be different. It has to be different. Okay, because that's Because in the real world um, is four to seven minutes of deep inhalation of the thing over uh, someone's nose and mouth. Okay, so when I say it's it worrying makes... that you know that much about it. <laughs> well, how do you know this much about it? 
I don't Because this know. isn't just like day-to-day -day facts. <laughs> We're just like, it's four to seven minutes of deep inhalation. I don't know. I must Because I didn't it. know that. Normal people aren't supposed to know that unless they've Googled it for a specific reason. <laughs> I think... I, no, don't do that. Okay. I think I've read one of those like uh -huh. top ten movie myths type things. Okay. And like, oh, like a BuzzFeed classic. Yeah, oh, like well you can't fire an Uzi like one-handed. The recoil would make it fire up into the ceiling and like yeah it was one of those buzzfeed lists definitely okay, yeah oh my god i feel like i'm doing so much like <laughs> explaining as to why i know that no keep explaining <laughs> but yeah like i say i'm not saying um i'm not poo-pooing the episode i'm just saying um this is something that makes me grin each time i see it in any kind of media okay and not in a way that i'm just like boo i'm leaving it's just like oh oh that's not how that works oh, oh. um well it's a story fixer isn't it yeah exactly it's yeah. a, it allows, uh, like, it basically solves any kind of, like, narrative problem that mm -hmm. you might have by just being, like, not not just Doctor Who, but, like, in other things where they can just be, oh, we can just use chloroform and then it's fine. Um, the, you let out a laugh um, when the Undertakers, so Gwyneth and her boss, whose name I never catch, actually, um, the boss is saying to Gwyneth, I did a favour for the bishop. I made his nephew look like a cherub after he had spent a fortnight in the weir and that that made you laugh i wonder i wonder what that was oh well, it was because it was funny it was ah. supposed to be a funny line okay cool right because oh. that again it was just like this is just that if you again that's just another example of that episode for me and i mean this for me specifically yeah. just being like something which is completely removed from doctor who and yeah. it's, it's almost like you're watching something else and like a conversation between two characters mm -hmm. in a very fixed confined world having a conversation that those characters would in a manner that you would expect as a someone watching a particular TV show from uh, set in a certain age. Yeah, I think uh, that's something Mark Gatiss brings to the table. I think he writes dialogue well. Yeah, he's like it. It was this episode was infinitely better written than the previous two. Yeah, and the previous two. So Rose was Rusty Davis, and End of the World was as well. Um, I wonder if you felt that the Doctor was less all over the place this episode less swinging from one extreme to another uh and the way i phrase that question is because i feel that i feel like he was um less huge extremes of one emotion yeah i guess that's true i think that's fair mm. and i think that's probably a result of the much much stronger script mm. uh, but you know we still have those flares of him being abrupt and rude and, and shouty yep um but then the next scene actually um, acknowledging it because he tells um, Dickens to shut up when he's having like a understandable freak out at the things he's seeing and then showing an understanding that just because this stuff doesn't phase the doctor it can phase other people okay yeah. you know you said towards the end of the episode when they had ramped up the doctor who-ness you had checked out a little bit does that mean the twist reveal of um, the girl's motivation did that where you just like who cares at this point like immediately before it happened i think i had a sixth sense that something was going to happen and it wasn't going to be good yeah. and then when it happened i think for a nanosecond i was like oh that's quite clever writing because it was and then when it basically became apparent to me that it would basically be a gateway to allow the kind of the doctor who quote-unquote nature of the the climax of the episode mm. Uh, then I basically started to, to clock out um, the the just the the subtlety of it, like the subtlety of just committing to, oh, we're just going to use her 
as a gateway mm. and it's kind of going to be all right and we're going to follow through on what we said mm. and that's maybe it wouldn't have been as it quote unquote exciting mm. um and it would have been kind of like quite a sort of like a soft close if yeah. you see what i mean to the episode but i think it would have been quite brave writing yeah. whereas in the end they just decided that they were going to make them evil and then that would require a big explosion at the end to finish everything off yeah. which is just what Blow them up. yeah just yeah this will allow an explosion at the end yeah explosion at the beginning of noise and sound and right. yeah i see what you did there when you basically segued from the person's mouth into like the tubes of the doctor who's time mm -hmm. whole thing mm -hmm. um but at the beginning i remember thinking wow this is the bit where you're making a lot of noise so people sit up from their chair and pay attention to the episode mm -hmm. and at the end to signal the episode is finished you have to have a big explosion yes. and have I someone die in it and look at the fire and blah 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 see i can't remember who it was it may i think it was even stephen moffat stephen moffat he becomes the head show writer of doctor who at some point and before becoming the head show writer, he uh, writes episodes for um, seasons just like Mark Gatiss. He was talking about the cold open, the little scene before the credits. Uh, he was just like, paraphrasing and probably getting wrong, it may not even have been Moffat. He was talking about it as um, he writes those cold opens as if an audience member is getting their keys, getting ready to go out. He writes them as a invitation to, well, stop what you're doing, come yeah. back and sit down. Um, as you said that, it just kind of reminded me of that. I was saying, what writer was that? Wait, the only thing I read about is Doctor Who. It was probably one of the Doctor Who writers. Yeah, there you go. Um, I completely agree with you, actually. Um, when I I thought, oh, this is good, actually, it's not really a threat. It's just people trying to survive. And the Doctor is in a place where he can be, as we understand it, a doctor, a helper, like a healer. And he can bring these people, and he's just like, look, this is a temporary solution. I'll take you to a new world. Yeah. You can think. And I was like, oh, this is good. And so when the twist happens, I did the same thing. I'm like, ah, oh, so they're bad. Oh, okay. Just oh, blow them up so that there's no evidence. Okay, blow them up. So no evidence. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yes, I, I completely agree with, with that. Uh, I don't think it's a bad ending. Um, I but I agree that a more meaty ending of them being transported to somewhere else could have been. Just as entertaining. Yeah. Mm. And in an entertaining for me personally in a way that is much more enjoyable. Mm. Um, Rewatching it as we currently are, um, I've noticed... As you are. A, we are. We're both rewatching. I'm not rewatching. Oh, I'm watching it. Alright, jeez. I'd like you to be pedantic. <laughs> just like, it's literally what I bring to the table. Yeah, this is, this is why I'm sat here. <laughs> this is what you wanted. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. I'm committing to my role and there's no way that I'm going to accept you complaining about what I'm here to do. Like, uh, my entire purpose here is to sit down and critique Doctor Who. Very good. So if I'm not going to do that, why am I here? Very good. Uh, okay, um, one of the things that I notice as I rewatch it... Uh, Very good. ...is a, <laughs> an aspect of the Doctor's personality where he really enjoys a bad pun. And I, I, I can't remember the ones from Rose and um, End of the World... I'm sure they were amazing. No, no, they're really rubbish. And um, they are often paired with Billy Piper being like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Um, but the ones for uh, this one did make me giggle. Bleak House is pretty good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's all right. He walks into the cellar. It's like, oh, talk about Bleak House. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, very good. Yeah. Uh, well done, Gatis Gattis. Ah. And um, Happy Medium. Don't antagonise her. I like a happy medium. That was very, that was good. Yeah. Uh, and it was very, 
technically it was very deft <laughs> but i think it might have been pitched a little above doctor who's like level i think Ouch. yeah what are you saying i'm saying exactly what i'm saying like, well, they're casting a wide net you know really yeah absolutely i think it's just too intellectual for doctor who <laughs> I didn't know that the that the root of the saying post haste could come from the Victorian. Uh, so the Charles Dickens at the end yeah. says that um, I'm catching the post carriage back to London, literally post haste. That's where that saying comes from. The quickest way to get there is to jump on the carriage taking the post, post haste. This is going to be more nitpicking, but um, isn't it strange how the zombies gave Charles Dickens just enough time to explain what needed to happen for the story to progress in a narrative fashion before they turned around and slowly attacked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Doctor! And then they're still facing the Doctor and he's just like, oh, why don't you fill the room with gas? And they're still facing the Doctor and just like, I'm sure that will work. It's going to happen in a minute. Don't turn around and attack me. Oh, no, please. Oh, they've turned around and are slowly attacking me. Okay. You know, zombies. You know. Yeah, but it is zombies. But it's still just like we need to we need to get allow him to explain what's going to happen. Yeah, here. and if this was a book, uh, you could give that to an audience member as someone's internal monologue or thought process as they go for the action. Or you could just have him run in and be like Doctor, and then have some of the zombies go attack him, and then he shout things out as he's running away from them, not just standing still and then rubbing his hands together like it was cold and he was standing outside. So what happened? He was just stood there, kind of, I don't know, like playing with his coat lapels. Sure, he was coughing into a thing because of all the gas. Um, maybe. But he didn't really look that bothered. He was <laughs> standing on a spot. No, come now. They were definitely like struggling to breathe because of the gas. The doctor wasn't, though. Uh, a subtle indication that he's not human. Okay. Does he not breathe air? Uh, he does breathe air, but maybe his lungs can uh, handle. Wait, um, when they were standing behind the cage door thing? Mm hmm. But then Rose was having problems breathing until either. She was talking normally. Yeah, they were in some kind of alcove. Maybe there was a grate in the alcove. Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. How how convenient. Uh, but also, this they... room's full of gas, but no, not no, no, in no, here no. where you're having no, a conversation. No, 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 no. no, you're misremembering. Um, no, I'm not misremembering. They have that conversation and decide to go out fighting before Dickens comes oh, okay. in and turns. Maybe I'm misremembering this. Yeah. Uh, and then once Dickens starts to turn things on, uh, Rose starts to cough and splutter. Okay. Uh, and the doctor does it, which is why he can stay behind. Uh, again, subtle indication that he's not human. Okay. How, was it, uh, very quickly, was it ever explained why the doctor knew that the maid was dead within five minutes? Uh, he, um, he felt her pulse telling us and him that she's dead. And I think he theorizes that she died the moment she stepped into the portal. Because um, once the Gelf's nefarious intentions were made clear, uh, I think he just surmised that they would have just killed her there and then. As to why she re retained a bit of control, because Billy Piper asked, she was like, yeah, but she spoke to us. Uh, they kind of say, well, we can't explain that. There are some mysteries we're not going to know. Okay. I kind of feel like um, uh, maybe this is intentional from the writers of Doctor Who. But it kind of feels like there's a lot of characters, or maybe this just because it's this one character in reality. But it feels like the Doctor has—he's not really that bothered, and like about like if he needs to effectively sell someone up the river, that's just really what's going to happen. Mm, very interesting. Uh, and I guess maybe that's supposed to give like uh, some tension there, but it just comes across to me at this point. Granted, I've only watched three episodes. It's just kind of a shitty character trait. Callous. Yeah, just like and like and quite 
jarring as a contrast with his other like happy playful blah 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 just like oh yeah well she was dead anyway so and also the kind of thing we're just like oh we, like we're going to use the girl anyway yeah. and then billy piper's just like no don't you want to ask her and then in fairness the character is just like oh i want to do it it's fine prior to that he's just like it's all right we'll just use the girl mm. and like it's quite cold yeah and that's just kind of a bit shit alien and detached yeah, yeah. so i guess maybe it is intentional yeah Okay, yeah, um, oh, it's kind of shitty. The show, uh, when it's got some time to breathe, which it does take, uh, we'll address that. Uh, I don't think you'll get to that episode. No, I don't uh, think but so. But yeah, either. again, like, so these things that you are experiencing as you're watching it, um, there's been a lot of Doctor Who since then, and they take time to kind of delve into stuff like this. Okay, so good for them. It's meaty. I'm yeah. glad that they spend the time to acknowledge that shit. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, and I don't think it's—I don't think it's shit. No, I meant like as in in the in a general term. Yeah. Not that it's bad. Mm. Not, I'm not enjoying it, but it's not bad. But I'm like as in that shit as in that stuff. I should have yes. said. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't got much else to say uh, about this episode. Um, I really like it. I—I didn't. Uh, I'd forgotten how much I like it, and halfway through, I was just like, "This is good." I'm actually not looking forward to uh, Joe shitting all over it. <laughs> and so when I turned the recorders on I was like so what did you think it's made me really happy it's made it, this has been a real fun chit chat for me but I don't like I said I was going to be honest about it yeah yeah which is great no no well absolutely I'm not here to like uh, like I just want to I just want to clarify that then so previously when I've ripped into the other two episodes mm-hmm. it's because that's exactly how I feel but I'm absolutely. not I'm not like I, I will give it credit where it's due most definitely so, and uh, this like this episode had a lot of good things about it and they just happened to be things that were as far removed as Doctor Who as could physically be possible in my opinion yeah most definitely no, no, no. What, what, what I'm saying by that is when I said I wasn't looking forward to you shitting all over it uh, that was me saying that um, I was worried that you were gonna dislike it for a myriad of reasons that I wasn't able to see because I love it okay um and no, no, at no point do I think you are um, not being 100% truthful to how you're feeling. So that's why I'm saying it. it's been really, uh, it's really nice because, you know, I don't like the idea of you suffering through 40 minutes, you know. So I like that um, this one wasn't as much of a slug as the other two. I think that's No, I had good things about it. Super, super. Um, but also the bad things about it. Yeah, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. this is our ending segment. So favourite thing about the episode? Um, the character of, Charles Dickens, which I thought was very well written and very, very well acted. He was very good. Um, uh, and your least favourite part of the episode? Um, Rose. Okay. Right. Yep. Um, In entirety. So we've been to the future, we've been to the past. Next week, do you think we're going future, past or present day? Which I guess for them would have been 2005. Not a clue. The, uh, my guess would be they go to like an alien episode, like an alien planet somewhere or something, which is going to be very. It's going to be a good contrast to today's very UK set based Cardiff Victorian mm-hmm. strict mm-hmm. like boundary set thing. So it's probably cool. just going to be a massive load of fucking nonsense. Super. All right. Good stuff. Um, well, I actually can't remember to be honest. Um, it'll be a nice surprise when we uh, hit, hit play next week. Super. Uh, great, thanks, Joe. Oh, You're awesome. welcome. Alrighty. Wait, that might be our quickest episode, actually. Doctor Who shit. I'm kind of. <laughs>